Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart, and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. Throughout the entire biblical narrative, there is this reoccurrence of the number seven. From the seven days in creation to the seven spirits all the way at the consummation of the book of Revelation, you come across this number and there is the connotation of perfection and fullness, completion and satisfaction to the number seven. And I want to point out to you three instances where the number seven is in relation also to the Holy Spirit. And the thought here, the biblical thought, is that the Holy Spirit is the satisfying, full, complete means whereby God can do a work on this earth, and particularly in man and through man. We have a reference to the Spirit being seven, so to speak, in uh, Isaiah chapter 11, in verse 2, where it speaks of the Spirit of the Lord that will be prophetically on the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says that this Spirit of the Lord will abide upon the Lord. You can say He's the abiding Spirit. He's the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding. He's the Spirit of counsel, the Spirit of might the spirit of knowledge and also the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And there are these seven descriptions regarding the Holy Spirit. You also find this in uh, the book of Revelation, the seven spirits before the throne of God. And you also find it straight out of the mouth of Jesus in John chapter 14. In John 14, Jesus spoke about the Holy Spirit who will be a parakletos. And in that statement, parakletos, which we translate um, helper in our modern English language, there's actually more or less seven descriptors of that Greek word parakletos. It's not overtly in the text. But if you understand the culture of that time, how they interpreted parakletos, particularly in the Greek language, you will see that there are seven descriptions of parakletos. And in this message, I want to encourage you with the sevenfold aspect of the Holy Spirit's work in the son and daughter of God. Seven things. There's there's many more. But particularly with reference to the word parakletos, there are seven things that God can do right now in every man and woman who believes in him and will not grieve the Holy Spirit, but in humility and in tenderness and in a meek, gentle spirit say, Lord, minister to me the the fullness of who you are, the satisfaction, the completion, the perfection 
of who you are through this sevenfold Holy Spirit. I hope this message encourages you that you are fully supplied, fully stocked in the Spirit of God for any and every single issue that you face in this life. Work of the Spirit, in, in short, this is very abbreviated, is simply that He wants to do something within you and obviously something upon you. We call that an internal work and an external work. Your internal work is in a way prophetically indicated through food that you eat, water that you drink, where you take something within you and it mingles with your system. You metabolize it, you absorb it, and so as a result, because of that pizza, you have strength. Because as you eat, so you are, they tell me. And it's the same with the Spirit. There's, there's a work of, of the Lord, obviously, that's internal. Amen! So, the most amazing work of God is to crawl into your spirit and rebirth it, renew it, ignite it, and make your inner man alive. And then He makes your body His temple. This is where God wants to dwell. You and I run to places to connect with God. God wants to come to your body to connect with you. And so you're the house of God. You're the temple of God. And the Spirit of God is living within you and He's feeding you and He's supplying you and He's sustaining you. And all the while you have vitality and energy and the core of your being should be satisfied because of the indwelling Lord. But not only that, the Lord also continues His ongoing ministry of equipping people empowering people, enabling people. For those of us who do not believe that the Lord empowers us, you're too confident in the flesh. You just need to grow a little bit more and get a girlfriend or a boyfriend and let them tell you to your face, you stink. You do not have what it takes. That's going to cause you to cry out to King Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus, help! 911, SOS, I need thee now to equip me. Saints, you and I cannot live this Christ-like life. We don't have what it takes. And if you think you've got what it takes, you're deceived. I don't have enough intellect. I don't have enough wisdom. I don't have enough life experience. I've not been in history. I've not been into the future. I just... I'm ill-equipped in the natural. Paul would say, in my flesh dwells nothing good. Amen. Excuse me. If you disagree with me, you don't just keep quiet. Paul would say, in my flesh dwells nothing good. Who can agree with the apostle? Amen. If, if, if you disagree, just keep quiet. In my flesh dwells nothing good. Amen. Somebody's beginning to agree. For those of you who disagree, just keep quiet. In my flesh, in my natural man, dwells nothing 
Go ahead. Amen. Yeah, that which is born of the flesh can only produce flesh, kind after its own kind. So we teach that at the school. We start in Genesis and we explain that principle so that those who are born of the Spirit, you can actually then produce something that is above your humanity. So the work of the Spirit, it's slightly mystical, but in short, it's an inward work and it's definitely a moving work and a ministry work and an empowerment work. And this is where grace comes in. Most of you think grace only deals with the forgiveness of your sins, which it does. You know, amazing grace. But you know what grace is? Grace is the supply of God to cause you to be and do more than you will ever be and do in the natural. Grace. Grace is the divine supply of God. You know, we have many definitions for that, but really, what is grace? Grace is that river. Grace is that fountain. Grace is that bread. In short, grace is that supply to overcome your natural. Those of us who are stuck in natural tendencies, we can't break free. Saints, you, you can't. Otherwise, you would have. Amen. But that's why God pours out His Spirit on you and continually fills you and you continually drink and you eat and you fellowship and you, what Paul would say, we walk in the Spirit. And Romans would teach, Romans chapter 8, that all students here at the school have to memorize, is that if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The work of the Spirit is inward to feed us, to transform us, to work within us, to convict, to, to enlighten us, to teach us. And the work of the Spirit is also upon us, to empower us, to go, to speak, to sing, just the way you guys spoke up tonight. It's not natural. It's not what humans do. Mostly we're timid. But you'll see that as the Lord empowers you, and I believe everybody got a portion tonight. And thank you, brother, for that message about Monday morning. Yeah. The proof is in the pudding. If anything transpired this weekend, Monday morning has to look different. And you'll see that the Spirit empowers you to go live boldly and, and live without shame, live with dignity and honor. And like Kat said you know, in her corporate setting, she was not able to with conviction say, yeah, I serve the Lord. How about you? So I pray that the Spirit would so work within you and upon you that you would be that kind of a person that's bold, irregardless of your personality. So I want you to notice in your Bible, John chapter 14, verse 26, where Jesus says, I'm going to not leave you alone. Uh, I'm going to come back to you, and I'm going to send you a helper. Uh, I'm going to send you the Spirit. But I want you to hear this from the Amplified Bible. And as um, Sam here reads that for us, um, you're going to come across some words that describe this particular Greek word. And I want you to stop at every one and let me write it down and then make a point about it. Okay, Sam, you're on. But the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things, and he will help you remember everything that I have told you. 
Okay, so um, we can really put away uh, the word helper in here also, can we not? Because that, I think, was the first word you mentioned, right? Okay. So here in Greek, we have a word for which we in the English language have a very difficult time translating. So the Amplified Bible gives us every possible thought associated with that word. And our English word is the helper. That's just our generic initial English word. So Jesus is basically saying, I'm not going to leave you alone, but I'm going to send the helper. So that's how it sounds in our English ear. It's one that's going to help you. But in the Greek thought, this word actually means the one that will come alongside you. The Greek word here is the word parakletos. And it, it literally, we say helper in the English language, but if you want to be literal, it is the one who is next to you, alongside you. And so what happens is the translators of different Bibles, uh, notably here the English Bible, they've taken every possible situation in that ancient uh, era where a person was next to somebody else to help them. And so that's why they came up with these words. For instance, there in the first century, a paratletos was somebody that would be a comforter. So what is a comforter? She's crying, she's hurting, she's wounded, whatever it would be. So what do I do? I come next to her. I come beside her. I'm a para helper, paratletos, but I'm one who is besides and so one of the thoughts is, is that a counselor, somebody who ministers and gives advice and reasons with you that's next to you, that's perhaps a picture of the Holy Spirit. Another person in the first century that came alongside somebody was an advocate. Think of a kind of a lawyer that pleads your case. You're the guilty person, or you're the trespasser, or, you know, you're on trial. And so I come next to you. I come in addition to you. And I'm right there, Parakletos, the helper. But who were those people that helped? One of them was an advocate. And here, as Jesus is saying, I'm going to send the one who is right next to you. He will be right there beside you. Um, as I'm listening to that in the first century, I would have said, oh, the Holy Spirit's going to be kind of like an advocate. And Jesus would probably have said, yeah, just like that. He's going to plead your case. Another um, concept we have, picture we have of a paracletos is somebody who's coming uh, uh, beside you is an intercessor. Somebody that intercedes for you, kind of like a lawyer, but would speak for you and um, intercede for you and um, represent you again. Want the, the best for you, the best benefit for you. A kind of an intercessor. Um, another kind of a person was a strengthener. I'm not sure what that would have looked like in the first century, but we come up with this word, with this concept of just somebody, when you're weak, think of like a coach that is right there beside you. Come on, let's do And he equips you and strengthens you, trains you. And that's kind of the thought with the Holy Spirit. He's one who 
strengthens. Because of your walk with the Lord, you should be stronger than you've ever been. Another kind of a thing here, it, it, it hits closer to home, is standby. Somebody who's just at the ready, constantly looking out for you. So listen again to this verse. Um, can you read it for me one more time? And, and listen, this is what the Lord Jesus said He's going to send, and this is what you and I have received. But the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf, he will teach you all things, and he will help you remember everything that I have told you. I think it's so beautiful. So here, in a nutshell, is the whole scope of human inadequacy. Comforter. Is it not true that as humans, we're constantly under stress, constantly under anxiety, constantly fretting? It is common to all of us across the entire globe, and Almighty God has an answer for that stress of your daily life. The Holy Spirit, the one who's right next to you, constantly putting an arm around you saying, hey, it's going to be a-okay. So let's pause here and belabor this point one minute. How many of us refuse the comfort of the Holy Spirit? We all have so much stress in college and apartments and deadlines and papers and salaries and payments. And yes, we'll have this stress until our very last. Jesus even said, in this world, you will have trouble. You remember that? You will have trouble. And so, no, the Christian life is not easy. Being human is not easy. We all put on our leg, uh, pants one leg at a time, do we not? We're all mortal. We're all fragile. In a minute, it could be our last breath. And the stress on us, God knows the, the cares and the anxiety. God knows, and He has an actual answer. There is one that is right next to you. And in some way, God just wants to comfort. But here's what you and I do. The Holy Spirit will come. I know He comes. And He says, I love you. And then you're like, yeah, but. And we listen to the voice of the accuser more than the voice of the comforter. And I find it just amazing how many Christians are un comforted in this earth, yet they say they believe in Jesus, yet they say they walk in the Spirit, but, but they're so anxious, they're not comforted. Comfort should bring you peace, and comfort should bring you hope. And God says, hey, I've got an answer. It's my Spirit that's going to do that work within you. So yes, do we humans comfort each other? Sure. Do we love and speak hope into each other and encourage? Absolutely. But saints, the human comfort is not enough. The divine comfort 
is God's economy. So there's no stress you can be under or anxiety or fretting that God is not intimately acquainted with that and say, hey, I know the hairs on your head. I know the needs and I'm ready to comfort. But here's the thing. Will you take the comfort? If God says it's going to be a-okay, you need to say, okay, God, okay. But here's what we do. God wants to comfort you. That is, speak life into you, speak hope into you, speak peace into you. And you're like, but you please explain. Would you please? And he's like, no, right now I don't want to explain. I just want to love. And many times we reject the love of God. That's something we so desperately want. And we reject the love of God because we want the light of God. And God does want to teach you. Like it just says, He's going to lead you and teach you and disclose things to you. But saints, this whole thing of comfort, I believe today God is comforting us. Speaking hope and encouragement and destiny and future and beauty into all of us. But here's what we do. Nah. No. <laughs> Another thing here is God as an advocate. Who in here does not make mistakes? Who in here does not blow it? Who in here has a perfect track record? God knows that we're going to blow it. God knows that Satan is going to yet accuse you, condemn you, and if Satan doesn't do it, your family will. And if your family don't do it, you will. But somebody's going to condemn somebody on this planet. Somebody's going to throw a stone at somebody on this planet. Somebody's going to find fault with you. You're going to make mistakes. None of us are guaranteed to live a perfect life. That's why in this situation where we've blown it again and again and again, you have an advocate that pleads your case and say, yeah, she may have acted, Lord, a little bit like a goober, but I remind you of the blood of Jesus that she's under. Somebody that when you make mistakes, somebody that stays on track and pleads your case. Here comes Satan. Yeah, but she's, she, she's blowing it. She deserves your wrath and your judgment. Here comes the Holy Spirit. Ha, 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 I remind you of the blood of Jesus. And what does the advocate do? He pleads and stands in the gap and say no to the accusation. God knew that we were going to have so many mistakes. And he said, hey, it's going to be okay. The Spirit will act as a kind of an advocate on your behalf. That comforts me. Intercessor. Who here knows how to pray? Who has arrived in the prayer department? Thank you for that hand. Hey, I'll give you a hard time. Paul would say, even in the book of Romans 8, we don't know how to pray. We pray according to our best possible concept, what we think, what we might imagine God wants to do. And so we're pleading with God. But Paul says in Romans 8, we don't even know how to, to pray. But we have an intercessor. And again, he's talking about the Holy Spirit who knows the heart of God. An intercessor who knows the will of God. And again, is standing in the gap. 
You know, when, when, when I just don't know how to even engage God, I'm so thankful that I don't have to be slick and clever and so have it all together. There's the Holy Spirit. That when I'm sleeping and I'm unfaithful in the prayer watch, the Spirit is praying. He's a kind of an intercessor. And He's praying all the while for my overcoming, for my breakthrough, for my victory. You better believe that God is more committed to your overcoming life than you are. And the Spirit is constantly, in a way, praying, praying, praying. Did you know that before the throne of God there are seven spirits? I just lost everybody. Go check it out. There's one Spirit of God. But before the throne of God, the Spirit of God is seven spirits. Dun-dun. Next time you're in a prayer meeting, you need to do this. You want to freak people out a bit? <laughs> do this. Lord, we just want to welcome the sevenfold Spirit of God in this place. Just, I dare you to use that line. Seven spirits before the throne of God. Yes, you're welcome. Just do that. You freak everybody out. I love it. No, there's not seven Holy Spirits. We know that the Spirit of God is just one. But before the throne of God, it's as though there's seven fires burning. And it's a very mystical thing. But before the throne of God, it's almost as though the Spirit of God is intensified in His burning intercession on behalf of the saints. So much so that when John sees the vision, it's like there's seven flames around the throne of God. Those seven flames around the throne of God, the seven spirits around the throne of God, which is the Holy Spirit, it's a very mystical picture of, of intercession but in an intense way, the number seven being completion and perfection. There's one who perfectly prays for you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. That comforts me. Counselor. All right. So we have to Google. So we don't really need this part of the Holy Spirit. Somebody to instruct us, guide us, counsel, reason with us, shine light. So we, we just, we, we really don't need this part of the Holy Spirit. So, okay, next. Then the strengthener. Well, we don't need this part of the Spirit either because we have gymnasiums where we go to, right? So I'm sure everybody here, I'm just looking at some of these guys. <laughs> so I don't, I don't think we need, or do we? Or do we? Or do we? Do we? Listen, you make a grave mistake when you deny the instruction of the Spirit of God in the belly of your own being. Yeah, I have a lot of books. I have more than I can ever read in 10 lifetimes. And I receive counsel, light, instruction. I study a lot. I'm a doofus to start off with, so I, by nature, I have to read a lot. And I receive the light. I come to my office, and I have books everywhere. And I enjoy it. 
And I really mean business with it, and it blesses me and enriches my life. But there's yet a book to teach me how to handle with this conflict that I'm currently in, that situation over there, this relationship over here. Books are written in a very generic kind of a way, but there is one that specifically knows my situation and can counsel me through it. And y'all, I have found a rhythm with God, and, and I want to be slightly vulnerable for just a second. Every situation that I face, sooner or later, God counsels me through it and gives me instruction how to deal with this. And I have found, don't laugh at me, so I'm just trying to be vulnerable for a second. I have found, for me, when I, don't laugh at me now, when I'm in water, I feel that through water, the Holy Spirit counsels me. I'll give you an example. When I jump in the hot tub down there, by the, don't laugh now. <laughs> I'm going to cut this out of the recording because this sounds sketchy. But often when I'm anxious and I have a hurdle to overcome, and I just go jump in the water, somehow just things become clear, and I feel genuinely the Lord say, do this, go here, take this approach. And every time that I dare obey that strange kind of a feeling inside, that strange counsel, every time I have the breakthrough. It happens also in the shower. Getting real vulnerable. I love to take long showers. I can just sit there and just let the water wash over me. And just like you, I've got issues in life. I've got difficulties and deadlines. and It's not any different here. But I find that when I'm in water, it's just somehow for me, God counsels me. And He gives me ideas and He gives me creativity. And I come out of the shower and my wife wants to like have a conversation and I'm all jittery because I'm ready to go and do what's in my heart. Do what I feel I was counseled on. So yes, I, I read a lot of books. We hear people. Um, I have a spouse also that I hear. Um, I have counselors in my life. I've got men and women who, who minister to me. I've got a lot of folk who speak into my life. But I want to tell you the sweetest counsel is when God say, Hey, I want you to do this. And you're like, but why? And what does any good parents do? They say, because I... See, not even parents explain everything to their kids. But God counsels us. And this is kind of what Jesus is saying. There's going to come one alongside you who will constantly whisper in your ear, this is the way, walk in it. Isn't that sweet? That comforts me. Um, strengthener, I'm just being facetious. Y'all, all of us fatigue. All of us run out of steam. All of us run out of creativity. We run out of resources intellectually, emotionally. Whose willpower in here is perfected? Who can say, my will has been fortified? Bring it, Satan. <laughs> There's none of us. We're all one step away from a dismal mess. We, we, we all are failures in a way. We all have weakness. And God knew that. 
God knew that all of us are going to fail, make mistakes. We don't have strength. We don't have long-suffering. We don't have... In God knows that. He's like, hey, don't worry. I got you. I got you. I'm going to soak you in strength. In the natural, we don't have what it takes to endure and suffer long and carry projects through and stay up through. We don't have that. But I have felt since my birth in the Lord, some 25 or so years ago, I have felt the Lord so give me strength to push through the night, to read through the book, to work through the relationship where in the natural I should, I should check out. Man shall not live by bread alone. So every now and again I do take a slice of bread. But I live by a strength and a comfort and a help and a supply that's supernatural. You should try it out sometime. I can highly recommend it. So God knows that you don't have strength in that relationship to see it through to healing. God knows that you don't have the strength to finish college faithfully and strong and to honor your parents for the investment they're making in your education. God knows we, we, we all drop out of the race premature. God knows that. It's like, hey, I got you. <laughs> You're in good hands. Yeah. And that's Yahweh's stand. Mm -hmm. Not all state. Thank you, Lord, for giving us strength. Of course, God is a standby. Standby. And this is closer now to what the Greek is trying to say. Uh, he's one who's standing by, just constantly right here. I think of the 911 operator who's on standby. I think of the doctor who's on standby, constantly just ready. I think of that horse in that cage. He's just twitching. He's just ready. Open the gate. Just open it. He's on standby. I think of that athlete in the block. Just on standby. And that's how the Holy Spirit is, I, I, I see. And, you know, I'm imagining these things right now. But I just see the Holy Spirit is just right here. Hey, what are we going to face today? I'm right there. And, of course, my life is like the earth. It's dark and it's a little chaotic and just like mess. And the Spirit is just hovering, just hovering to facilitate these things into my weaknesses. Glory to God. I cannot lose being in God. I'm going to make it. He's a standby. And with this whole standby thingy, can I say one more word here? He never leaves you or forsake you. He's not like a doctor who's on standby for 12 hours and then he's got to go take a break. He never slumbers. He never sleeps. He just, he is standby. And even better, he stand in. He, he's in. He's not just here, he's in. So, so guys, girls, be happy. <laughs> the Lord is for you. Who can be against you? You can't lose being a believer in Jesus Christ. And then lastly, obviously, helper. Um, this is where God anoints you for a task at hand a race to run, a fight to uh, persevere through. And all the while, I see the Holy Spirit this way. And, and just bear with me again in an imaginary way, if you will. I see the Holy Spirit constantly behind you, just pushing. 
And I see the Holy Spirit here on the, on the destiny side of things, lassoing you with a rope. Come, come. He's behind, pushing. He's beside you. Come on, we can do this. Come on, come on. Like a coach, counseling. And I see the Lord also at the end of eternity, just pulling you in. You can't lose. You can't lose. Maybe that's why Paul say we should do all things without murmuring and complaining. Because he's got us. And that's my burden for you. And if that's my burden for you, how much more is it the burden of God? Stop looking at what you don't have and let's, like Lord, shine light on whom we do have. Amen? Saints, wherever you are in life and whatever you're going through, there's no man on earth that can feel with your difficulty, that can, that can empathize really with your struggle. There's no man that can really know the difficulty in your life. We do the best we can, but I want to tell you, there is one who is called alongside you. He's the Parakletos. And he never leaves or forsakes you. You will never be changed by what I just spoke. Even though I try to speak from the Word of God and just take that little sentence and break it down into as many images of the first century that they could come up with, this will not change your life. This will not change your life. You're not going to walk out of here and be a different person because of the lesson that I just gave you. Let me tell you this. Tomorrow, when you're hurting and you lean into the Lord for comfort, that's when this truth is beginning to become rhema for you, or what we would say reality for you. Right now, I just gave you sort of a sketch on the drawing board. Actually, we have a drawing board. There it is. But this will not empower you. This will not free you. This will not strengthen you or really comfort you. Tomorrow, when you are struggling and you mess up, then you need to test for yourself whether the Spirit of God is who He says He is. By in that mistake being open and say, Oh Lord, I just blew it, God. I'm such a buffoon. And He comes alongside and He says, Yeah, but you're washed by the blood. Then you're free. Then you're in the reality. Right now you're just sort of enlightened and inspired maybe or instructed. But God is going to have to let you go through pain so you can know comfort. Did I just say that? Maybe I need to take that back. God is going to allow you to struggle so that you can know His comfort. Did I just say that? So don't be surprised if tomorrow there is a measure of pain and hurt. Otherwise, you would never know the Spirit's comfort. Don't be surprised tomorrow if there is an accusation against you. It has to come. 
It has to come. There has to be some accusation against you. Otherwise, you'll never know the Spirit of God pleading your case. The same with an intercessor. You've got to experience boulders and difficulties and mountains that, that you cannot push and move. You've got to struggle in prayer and not quite know how to do it. Otherwise, you'll never know the Spirit's intercession. Yay! It's going to allow you to be confused. God's going to allow you to not have all the answers so that He could counsel you. So hey, when all those things come tomorrow, I would recommend in closing just, you say, Oh Lord Jesus, I'm in a pumpkin nickel right now. But you said that there's one alongside me. I need thee every hour. So Lord, I've got a mistake. I've got a burden. I need a breakthrough. God, do your thing. And watch what happens. Would you give me a ring every now and again if you get some breakthrough and the Spirit is real in your life? And just let me know, say, hey, it's no longer theory. It's reality. Amen.